0: The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Hacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services.
1: So, so Jeff you know, has a global reach and then they have all this data of that. that, Right, that's another thing, you know. Right. Every day on customer, you know, customer preferences, you know, customer profiles, uh, you know, real estate demographics, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, like uh, usage behavior. So you're you're you're, um, building this robust data set that helps you, you know, target market in, in a much richer and all that's passed on to the franchisees. So you, right. you have you have this global reach Huge of customers sure. and that you can never you can never get uh on your own as a local independent operator. And then you know um you can use all that but then on the flip side the franchisees provide a lot of value because they 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 They're provide boots on, the, on the ground
0: they provide yeah. what a
1: big operation can. Right. They talk to you as a customer one-on-one. You want your clothes folded a certain way. You want a special detergent used. You you know, you you want to know that your kids uniforms are going to be ready for their game. All right, I'm going to make sure that this is done. Uh, you know, you you need your clothes picked up and delivered. All these types of things. Um They can execute really, really well and uh, a big national, regional or international uh, company, it's very hard to execute that. Um, Right.
0: The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss, or just being dissatisfied at work. And they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode.
1: Hi, Peter Stern. I'm Managing Director of Mr. Jeff. Happy to
0: be on the podcast today. All right. So Mr. Jeff, not really Mr. <laughs> Jeff. We're gonna clear that up. You said you go everywhere and you're Peter and everybody's like, who's Mr. Jeff? So he'll explain that to you. But we're gonna talk today about, you know, your background and everything and also what's going on. But this is kind of like in an, the anatomy of a of a franchise or. I mean, you're you're starting this thing up here and you're growing it and and uh, the laundry business is an interesting business because there's a lot of things going on in your industry that pandemic related and um, other things like that. So maybe we can go back, Peter, and you can kind of talk about, you know, where you're from, training was, and you worked in corporate for a while, all that type of stuff. Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, thanks. Well, happy to be here. Um, thanks for having me on. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so it's been an uh, interesting journey for me in, in life and in, in my career. So I started, uh, had a finance background, started consult on the consulting side of PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, many many years ago, and through a mentor of mine that I had uh, interned with throughout college, got introduced to a uh, you know a pretty um, dynamic entrepreneur who owned the largest chain of laundromats in the U.S. This is going back uh, 20 years. Um, okay. Had a meeting with with uh, the founder of that company, and I knew nothing about the laundry business. Uh, didn't really understand. What I was going to do, I had this uh, connotation and stigma um, in my head of, of what I thought the launch business was. And then, uh, just, what were you
0: introduced to him for? Uh,
1: so he was looking to do a uh, massive uh, national consolidation, retail roll-up in, in the industry at that Got time. It. You know, that you so going back to the mid 90s, where uh, this was uh, done in many other uh, retail industries, whether it right. be Home Depot uh, in the hardware industry or Blockbuster. And, you know, you had this laundry industry that was hugely fragmented, uh, sure. independent owner operators, and it was ripe for consolidation. So that that was the play at the time, and he was looking for some young talent to come in and uh, help him execute that plan. Yeah, makes sense. Still a fragmented industry, right? Still persistent. I I call it the last of the Mohicans uh, right. in terms of fragmentation, and, and you know, in in retail, which has uh it kept it behind the times in many ways, and I I think it's led to this uh, renaissance that we're seeing today, where. It's um, one of the last uncharted uh, uncorporate, corporate, uh, you know, uh, corporatized um, industries right. and leads. Uh, there, there's a lot of detriments, but the, which also creates a lot of opportunity where now you're seeing huge uh, attention to it, capital infusions. There, there's a lot of things about the industry that, um, you know where many years ago it had a stigma that today are very appealing um, right, you know right. the real estate it's very low default stable cash flows recession proof amazon proof i, I mean it's everything proof we, right. we've the last 20 years we've seen you know uh the great recession um you know almost a financial blow up of the system you've seen Amazon effect You've seen nine 11 black and, and the laundry business uh, has only gotten stronger. Um, right. Right. Well, people every, still every wear clothes, away.
0: especially if they rent places, right. they're renters, they don't necessarily have a wash and dry in their apartment. They're going to go and do, and do laundry. It doesn't matter it's, what's going on. You, you even if you're in the pandemic, you might not be going to your dry cleaner, but you're wearing clothes. It's, it's an essential daily need. And, um, you know, it it's it's
1: not gone the way. Like like you said, during the pandemic, dry cleaner cleaners got hurt, but laundry just continued to pile up. It it, it became you know more and more the pun of intended. A, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it, it became um more of more of a necessity. Um yeah. and uh, you know, and and what you've seen. Uh, in recent years is a huge shift and trend towards the service end of the business, the, the wash and fold. Right. So where dry cleaners got hurt, you know, even before the pandemic clothing was
0: uh, getting more and more casual. So you had less dry cleaning, right. More, more regular clothes. Um, Right. Even business business shirts don't get dry cleaned, right. They get washed and pressed. So if you're not going to dry cleaner with dry cleaning, you're, why are you going to pay? It's more money. You're paying really to get the shirts washed and laundry.
1: Yeah. Um, so it, you've you've seen this trend, um, you know, developing over the years, uh, and uh, there's been a lot of attention paid toward towards it, and um, right. a, a lot of that's where a lot of tech and innovation and attention is going to the space. I think also the younger generation has really um, they they get uh, a bad rap for a lot of things. Uh, you know, we we condemn them for. Their work ethic and the different way they do things. But they the one thing that I think that they've taught uh at least me, and I think we should all take heed of, is they've really figured out what the most uh valuable commodity on earth is, and that's your time. Right. And that's something that I look to that that they they've really shown me and uh, you know, time with uh family, time doing activities that you like. Time even from this new gig economy, they would rather be earning money rather than doing a chore like doing laundry. So with with this, less and less of it started with the younger generation, but I think it, it applies to like uh, dual income families, busy with kids. Right. Everybody is time poor these days. Yeah. And, you know, which has created this huge growth in the sector of my industry, which used to not get a lot of attention, but that's the the service sector and the washing bolt. Right. So more and more people don't want to do their own laundry. They want a good reliable service to either right. drop it off at, at
0: a store or somebody even come to their home, pick it up. Right. Well well, I told you and I, I want to get back to what happened with this company and so forth, but I told you I have two kids in college and they have these services now. So nobody, nobody wants to send your kid on a Friday night, to sit in the laundromat to do his laundry. That was like an activity when I was in college, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. how you'd meet people, but you're always worried somebody stealing your clothes and this and that. So the parents don't want the stress. So now they have these services where they have a bag, a van comes, picks it up. There's an app. You can follow where the van is. We, the parents pay an automatic fee for a certain amount of poundage. And, uh, you know, you have a peace of mind to knowing that it's done, and then you don't have to worry about your kid getting mugged at the dry at the laundromat downtown, and you know, wherever it's located. And you know, it's and it, it works, and it's a big money maker for these services.
1: Yeah, I, I, I you know, I go even beyond that. It's going to start with the college kids and 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 young working professionals, but. Um, I, you know, I I use the analogy when I grew up in the suburbs of New York uh, in the 80s, it wasn't uncommon to see, you know, everyone out doing their own landscaping, mowing their own lawns. It was like a tradition. Um, And then. You saw a lot of uh, landscaping companies pop up, and they had a routine service, weekly uh, landscaping service. And now it's basically obsolete. It's very rare that you'll see somebody doing their own landscaping. I think the same is going to be true for laundry. I think within the next decade, you'll see very few people doing their own laundry in their homes. They might have. Uh, they'll have machines still, I think, and right. they'll do small loads or towels, stuff that you know is, is very easy to have. but I think the bulk of the laundry would be outsourced. And right. I think that's hard for people to imagine because we get so caught up in the status quo of what is that we can't imagine things differently. But once they change, I mean look at look at these things. yeah, I mean the whole world's changed a decade ago a new in paradigm own, yeah the absolutely. world has changed so I, I i see that i see that coming on the horizon and right. um you know want uh want to uh participate in in that growth and sure.
0: innovation and um and so forth okay so let's go back the 20 years back so you were you talked to did you join this guy
1: yeah yeah okay. so uh i i came on board uh time with the organization and uh obviously you know, technology in those days was different right sure uh they, I, we still had stores that operated with uh you coins. know coins right. in the machines right. we were one of the early adopters back then of the card system which was revolutionary um, yeah. which is now archaic uh yeah. So, uh, you know, now everything's going much more towards mobile and app pay. Still not in this industry yet, but it's it's coming. Um, So, yeah, we're still coin operated. And because the industry was so fragmented, even stuff that existed, you know, in um, just rudimentary form, like POS systems and uh, business management systems that were Digitized at, at that time um, didn't exist in the industry, so we we actually we were one of the, the few large scale multi unit operators. So mm-hmm. there was nothing built for us, um, and it's very it's it's not efficient to build technology. We weren't big enough, you know. While we were big for this industry, we were minuscule compared to other mass retail. So it wasn't really efficient to build our own technology systems. Right. So we we built these ad hoc like manual uh systems to run multi-unit the best that we could,
0: but um it was really bootstrapped together. Um sure. Sure. well even now that's become inexpensive. Inexpe- I remember it was a half a million dollars to do an app for your company. Right. Right. You know? And I remember I had a um I was running a um like an entrepreneur's academy for high school and middle school kids and there was a kid who was doing I forget what the business was, but it involved an app that was going to run the business. So there was a guy on this panel because they would have like kind of like a shark tank presentation of business owners. So the kid gets up, knew all of his numbers and everything like that. And one of the criticisms one of the panelists was like, how are you going to do that app? It's going to cost you like $150,000. And the kid's response was, no, it won't. It's only 500 bucks. And, <laughs> you, got, you know, and the guy was totally out of tune. I guess the last time he did it for his company it cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So you know, and and he he just absolutely didn't accept that. He was like, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know? So uh, yeah, th- thing, and just like building a website, right? It's all changed. The technology, there are now tools to to do it. So it's it becomes, I guess, more of a uh, you know, it fits the business plan, right? It's now a something that's that's doable and cost effective. Yeah,
1: and no, I I think that. Um... That's where all the excitement, and that's why you're seeing a lot of capital, and you're seeing a lot of um, startups uh, come right. into the business. This I, I didn't mention this in the intro, but uh, a few years ago, uh, the founder of uh, Laundry Capital, Clean Right, where I started 20 years ago, he and I got together, and um, we actually started a venture capital fund to support, guide, mentor, provide capital for a lot of these young tech savvy entrepreneurs wanting to get into this business because they, they saw all the white space. Yeah. Here. Um, and we felt that we could be a good
0: value add partner, not just with capital, but with experience and well, kind of um, like a private equity incubator type of thing. Cor- correct. Take yeah. ownership, join ownership with them.
1: Yeah, and then we and we also had this uh huge network and lab of stores that uh we could pilot things and experiment with and yeah. and, and then also uh understood the landmines in the industry, understood the network and, and who the players were. So um yeah, and that that actually uh we we made some uh really good investments and that and that led us to to find. Mr. Jeff, who I'm who I'm with now, who we, we made a substantial.
0: So yeah, so incubators are good. They're kind of like little, you know, uh, seed seedlings that you grow, and then you're like, oh, that one's a good one, right? So so right. you sold that you and this guy. You sold the uh, the old the first company that you remember? No, mind? no, the fir-
1: the first still company's uh, still still in existence. More okay. of a old line operating company, traditional uh, multi unit big, big box laundromats. Um, So that was part of the problem is that, uh, you know, we had this uh, big balance sheet heavy operating company that had been operating for 25 years. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, we saw change coming in the industry, but it's always hard because you're almost disrupting yourself. And there's a conflict there, and there's a push yeah. and pull. And there's a cost, so, right? So it it became um, we and we tried. We tried internally to do things, but we didn't have we didn't have engineer software engineers on staff. We weren't right. tech savvy, and um, you know there there were, there's always resistance to change. So um, after trying and burning through some capital. Our own internally and and learning from mistakes, we said, you know, we're not going to be able to do this on our own. And then let, let's go out and team up with some people that, that this is their core competency. This is their sweet spot. They have the tech. We have the industry knowledge. Let's do it in a separate uh Separate entity, you know, no conflicts and, and, and get
0: off to the races. Um, You know, I'm always interested about the logistics of a brick and mortar business like that. Was it regional? I mean, did you have national, did you guys own, own operate, own businesses all over the country? And then how do you collect all the money? It wasn't all electronic in those days. So,
1: so, so it started regional, started in New York, um, expanded through the boroughs of New York. Um, there was another big chain uh, started by the Blockbuster Group called Laundromax that, okay. that went under and uh, Spin Cycle as well. We went, They wound up going under, we wound up um, uh, opportunistically acquiring uh, stores there. So we acquired their New England market. We acquired uh, some stores
0: in Philly. Um, and uh, but That was like and, a bankruptcy acquisition almost, right? I mean, you're yeah, talking yeah. They we're in trouble.
1: And then we, we acquired stores uh, in Atlanta. So we started branching out. Um, it's more of a Northeast company. At one time, we had stores in California. Um, technology didn't really make it efficient back then to run operations in remote markets unless you had a density of stores, right? So we we kind of figured out you needed five stores, but in, a, uh, in a one particular area, in one particular area, right. to, to and then have growth from there. But, um, you know, it, it's challenging, because finding proper real estate, building these stores and ramping it took time. Yeah. So, you know, from finding a good location, signing a
0: lease, and uh, money, right, you got to buy all the machines, put everything in before you make a dime
1: huge capital investment.
0: It's a slow sludge. So,
1: you know, you're either coming into market through acquisition, which is tough because if people have good stores, cash flowing, they typically weren't motivated to sell them. Right, right. And then building the stores, uh, you know, new stores took time and a lot of capital. And, you know, you had to have resources there day one. Right. Um, So, it was tough to figure out. We we do, uh, you know. I do think that that with the advent of technology and video solutions and auditing tools and AI right, and right. Uh, management systems, there there is. Um, I I think it's more amenable to, to just popping a store in in a remote, right. market, remote market and well, a lot of it was cash
0: run. in those days right so the only way to really track was to kind of look at your water bill and say okay well we know how many loads are being done and this is what it should be right i mean
1: yeah you can yeah there, there are good ways to to know what your cash should be even when we went to all card systems you still had to rely on somebody physically making cash drops and like, listen, it, it was a lot of cash. And when, yeah. when people get their eyes on a lot of cash, it, there's temptation Set and, and sure. there's human nature. So um, yeah, uh, it, it's challenging. I, I think that uh, certainly going to a cashless operation and all app pay and digital transfers
0: is going to make that uh, growth easier. Yeah, um, because it's almost a cashless business. I mean, because you know, when you're a large organization, you're not looking to hide cash anyway. You're a local mom and pop shop. You're probably hiding a lot of your cash, and you know, right. zeroing you know, out there, your income. You're not going to do that at a large corporation. That's been the that's been the biggest
1: challenge to change in, yeah. in this industry. Is like, listen, there are a lot of people content. With keeping the business offline and, you know, less transparent and less tools and less visibility, you know, we we were audited by Ernst & Young in the early days. We ran everything by the book. Um, and, you know, so we we didn't we didn't have those. Um, those motivators to, to keep it. We, we want to legitimize the business, right. but, uh, but you're competing against people that didn't. Um, right. Which, well,
0: I would think though, if you're, I mean, I look, I don't want to give too much credit. IRS agents aren't the brightest people in the world. So probably some listening and pissed at me, but
1: well, um, I'm going I'm to, just, say- <laughs> just for all those listening, I think, I think you are incredibly
0: bright and resilient <laughs> and doing a hell of a job. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you could right, so you can pull water bills, utility bills, you know, I think they did that with pizza places. They like pulled the number of boxes they were buying and they could just look and say, okay, well, if you had 400 pizza boxes and you only have cash in the bank for a hundred, you're obviously well, I, hiding yeah. money.
1: I you know? I, I advise, you know, like throughout the years, everyone's wanted to get into this business. They, they all had, you know, heard about the returns and, 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 right, uh, right. you know, their uncle owned a laundromat or something. So, and, uh, you know, I, and I, acquired, uh, you know, a lot of laundromats over the years. And listen, I I acquired a a market down in Atlanta, five stores, uh, didn't even, uh, didn't even visit the stores. And the the P&Ls that the operators provided were meaningless to me. You know, there there was a way to do do, due diligence that was... If you uh, know the business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So, So then, yeah, so let's, yeah, take me through. You were with them, and then you met Jeff because you started the private equity incubator, we'll call it, right? And, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So we were, were,
0: uh, I was blown
1: away. Um, Jeff had, uh, you know, we- There is a Jeff, right? So Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jeff is a not a real person. Um, when, when I go to trade shows and stuff, I usually play the game. I make people guess you know why Mr. Jeff. Uh, right. So so we are we have other verticals besides uh laundry. Laundry is our main vertical, but you know, it's it's based around uh supporting people's daily needs. Uh-huh. Um so it, it's it's named after, and we, and we had an internal uh, guessing game with this too, to figure out why the company was named Mr. Jeff, but they, the companies uh, originated out of Spain, uh-huh. and the, the founders were big fans of the show, uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And if yeah. you remember that show, their butler was Jeffrey. Yeah. So Mr. Jeff is
0: named after Jeffrey. That's funny. From- <laughs> That's a good piece of trivia. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, That's funny. Funny. Yeah. I remember. So,
1: so we came across this company, you know, we, we were very,
0: you know, US centric um, didn't really pay
1: much attention to what was going on around the world. Uh, So like, unfortunately, like most Americans, um, you know, uh, but uh, when I started doing due diligence for the fund and and looking for investments uh, came across Mr. Jeff and was blown away. I mean, they, they, they you
0: know, literally
1: started in 2016, I think uh, started franchising towards the end of 2017. But not um, in the US, right? They were overseas. Not in the US, uh, internationally, and sold over 2,000 franchises uh, across 30, 40 countries in, in just a couple of years. Wow. So that, that growth was staggering. Um, really impressed. And, and uh, they had done something that, we always saw as a huge opportunity in this business that, that uh, we as a multi-unit scaled operator right. really couldn't access and leverage. And that right. was a, they focused exclusively on the service side of the business. So okay. they built- a Wash and fold. Wash and fold. So very small boxes, 500,000 square feet. You could start with just a couple of machines and then add machines So uh, as your business grows. So right. very low cost of entry. Um, app based provided all the technology all all the platform Um, so they gave all the tools to the entrepreneur to to get into business find a location, build a location um, all the marketing tools, all the business management tools, POS system um, and and all the app related necessities and and you know Put them in business and got them off to the races. So sure. th- this was something we always knew worked. We we saw it in a rudimentary way whether we sold stores uh, to in- individual yeah, operators, actual operating stores, right? Or we did like sublease arrangements or management agreements. We yeah. always saw it in the hands of a good owner operator. They can take the over-the-counter business to new heights, to the service side of the business. Right. Oh, uh, we couldn't, um, you know, a, a lot of limitations to running that through one of the local
0: guys skin in the games and that he's, he's gotta self-motivated business.
1: You got to have the relationship with the customers. Right. Um, you got to control the business in the right way. And there's a huge trust factor in laundry.
0: Here's a word from our sponsors looking to get into podcasting. Maybe to market your business, for your own enjoyment, or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets and be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners care for your health care for the planet and look flipping great doing it north authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big beautiful difference, in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAE Podcast for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Yeah, well, uh-huh. sure. You want to trust your local guy. Look, I think that, and this is a good... Um, exercise or an analysis, right? If you think about the industry, right, there's not a lot of barriers to to, to the business, right? If you and I wanted to open a laundry mat, wash and fold, we could go rent a space, buy a bunch of machines, hire some people and start marketing and doing stuff. But they built value through all the things that it would take us a lot of work and and a lot of difficulty to put in place, the technology, the the way they're doing it, you know, probably website marketing, all that type of stuff. So they they kind of create a value because a lot of times you look at these franchises and you're like, listen, I, if I'm buying a franchise, I want to know that a guy walked, open up down the street without having a franchise doesn't have, that I have an advantage over him because I'm paying you to do that, you know?
1: Exactly. And that, and that was a struggle. We looked at, uh, at my prior company, we looked at franchising many, many years ago. Okay. And we actually went through the Arduous process of filings and stuff. Um, and we came to that realization um the hard way is that on the self-service side, there really wasn't much value to the brand or to a franchise. Because, right. like you said, the Joe's laundromat down the street, Joe, Jeff, Jim, whatever right. you want to call Doesn't it, matter, had the same box with you know, comparable equipment, um, you know, as long as you kept the
0: store, as long as you had a good location, uh, good layout, kept the right. store clean um, and provided- you start meeting people in the community and then they want to come to you and that's there it. There wasn't
1: much differentiation because the customers came in and did their own work. So right. to me, the and, and there's been a big push in franchising now uh, on the self-service side. And I think that a lot of people are missing- the boat there because I think the huge opportunity in franchising is on the service side. Cause that's where all these things matter. The right. technology matters, the, the app yeah. matters, the
0: logistics, the and the brand matters because like, well, then it becomes a brand, right? It becomes something on the app and you see it in the name, and then people recognize it. Then it's got no, value.
1: Because as opposed to self-service where customers are doing the work themselves they trust themselves already they know right. what detergent they want to use they know how they want their clothes folded they know they're not going to lose their stuff uh, on the service side that that trust is incredibly important and while many retailers focus on just average ticket meaning like how much you pay for a service yeah. which you know could be 30 to 40 dollars in this business where what they lose sight of in laundry service is the value of what you're uh, leaving with that operation. So if I give you a bag of laundry, um, could be worth thousands of dollars of right. uh, merchandise, you know, retail value that I'm leaving. And there's an emotional attachment. So if I give you my favorite T-shirt that, or my lucky T-shirt from college, or I give you my a pair of jeans that fit just well. Um, Screwing that up ha- has consequences way past even the monetary value. Right. So, so you know, having a brand that people can rely on and trust is is invaluable in this business. And then combat combining that with all these tools like digital marketing, yeah. um, you know, uh is huge that just hasn't been done like marketing oh my God. in general. I can't think of any those. time
0: I've ever seen like digital marketing for a local laundromat. Yeah, been non-existent. Yeah.
1: So proficiency in that and and, and knowledge and expertise and, and and giving the platform to a small guy that you know these aren't huge marketing spends that you're gonna run. You know, you're gonna run a five hundred thousand dollar campaign. Right. You're not hiring an agency to do that. The right. agency's fees like they're they're not even gonna talk to you, right? They're not
0: even interested. You're too small for them. Yeah, you're too small. So yeah.
1: so so Jeff you know, has a global reach and then they have all this data of that. that Right, that's another thing, thing you know. Right. Every day on customer, you know, customer preferences, you know, customer profiles, uh, you know, real estate demographics, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, like uh, usage behavior. So you're you're, you're, um, building this robust data set that helps you, you know, target market in, in a much richer and all that's passed on to the franchisees. So you, right. you have you have this global reach Huge of customers sure. and that you can never you can never get uh, on your own as a local independent operator. And then, you know, um, you can use all that. But then on the flip side, the franchisees provide a lot of value because they 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 on, provide boots on the ground.
0: They provide what a
1: big operation can. Right. They talk to you as a customer one-on-one. You want your clothes folded a certain way. You want a special detergent used. You, you know, you you want to know that your kids' uniforms are going to be ready for their game. All right, I'm going to make sure that this is done. Uh, You know, you, you need your clothes picked up and delivered. All these types of things Um they can execute really, really well. And, uh, you know, a big national regional or international uh, company,
0: it's very hard to execute that. Um, Right. So so at that point, you had found them or they found you. And you were just looking to invest with them, or help them, or mentor them. I mean, you said he's got two thousand franchise locations. What do you need you yeah. guys for?
1: Came across, uh, you know, uh, read some materials on them. Just basically reached out
0: to the CEO cold um, to start a dialogue. Uh, and uh, and they had no presence in the United States, right? None. But you know, uh,
1: the time, you know, like everything else in life, the timing was great. because yeah, they were when I reached yeah. They were looking to launch in the US. Oh, but okay. They understood that uh the US was very different than international. Um so they really wanted uh to partner up with somebody with laundry experience in the US who knew what they were doing. Right. Um and uh so they they viewed us as uh, a really good value add uh investor. So we first came First came on as an investor, invested
0: through the fund. I also invested personally. But to build a U.S. operation or to be invest we in invested, we invested.
1: We we invested in the parent company. Okay. But uh, part of uh, part of the agreement was to also help them launch in the in the U.S. So we began working on that, and uh, as we started preparing and doing our due diligence and doing some initial market outreach. Um, the excitement and momentum just started to grow. We believe the the growth in the US is going to be monumental um, yeah. and explosive. So the uh we decided that they needed somebody full time to lead the effort here in the US. So I came on uh I left the fund and came on full time with Jeff to, to run their they US operations.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Talk about the logistics or the business planning side of it. They they were coming to the U.S. and it's basically they're a new franchisor, right? I mean, you don't none of the filings that did anywhere else counted for anything, except maybe they had some of the verbiage, right? Com-
1: completely, completely new. Uh, yeah. You know, we can't we can't use any of the
0: you know, uh, performance overseas. Right. FDD our, does not allow you to use their performance data, right? Nothing. Can't,
1: can't, can't talk about it. Uh, so it's, it's challenging to launch a new franchise in the, in the U S and that's exactly yeah. what we are as opposed to, you know, like, uh, internationally, you could talk about all your success. They have you could looser rules. Yeah. It. Yeah. You get, you know, um, it's really strict, uh, here in the U S so, uh to a large extent, we're brand new. Um, if I'm talking to you as a new franchisee, I can't. I, I'd love to right. talk you, to you. You can say it. we
0: have no locations. We're just getting started. Just we have experience, but we have nothing else. Isn't that yeah. Section 19 of the FDD? Right? People yeah. Leave it blank. Like yeah. they don't want to say. You know, anything.
1: Our, our item 19 is uh you know is is blank and and because it uh, you gets you in
0: trouble is what happens is you know.
1: Yeah, and, and like listen. Um, Unfortunately, there's been a lot of abuse by that's the problem, uh,
0: exactly. Right. You by franchisors,
1: right. And um, and it's Making put in there for and
0: stuff. for yeah. good
1: reason. So uh, but I tell people uh when I'm talking to them, like like listen, the the laundry business standalone. Yeah, it's not a, a new industry. So yeah. I, I say, listen, I can't give you a projection, I can't give you performance history, but Go look at a, you know, local, uh, you know, small laundromat, wash and fold operator for sale. Um, Go talk to them or go, you know, like you'll see that the business, even without the branding power and technology and pickup and delivery and all the, you know, uh, steroids that Mr. Jeff adds, even the business standalone is really strong. Right. And it's grown. So then you decide like, okay, if I, if I have a, uh, if I have somebody like Jeff supporting me, right. uh, You know, from a corporate scale and helping me with everything I don't know and, and the efficiency of the marketing and the, and the technology, am I going to be better off? Right. And, you know, so I, I, I say that, you know, don't just have that, it, because we don't have years of history yet to look at. Right. Um, go to your own do doge, You'll be very satisfied with the four corners of the box and its productivity and what the, the business model is. And then just listen to my pitch about what Jeff is going to do to support that and enhance that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the smart way to go around about it. Not make promises on the sly and say, Oh, well, these guys do this, but don't tell anybody I told you. Cause it always gets them in trouble. Yeah.
1: You know, people ask, like, it's not, it's not rocket science, uh, running it, but it's, you know, you have to be a good operator. So right. the quality of the operator will make a huge difference in the box. Yeah. So if, if you are willing to, do the work that's necessary and provide the leadership and build the right team and instill the right values in your culture uh, of a service culture um, and stay on top of it. You can't just build it and you know you have to live, you have to believe in it and live in it and- right. um, Or you'll lose, that.
0: yeah, you'll lose the or, people.
1: And if you do that, um, I, I, I think uh, you'll be very happy in this business. Now, did you? I'm always curious part. from
0: a strategic planning point of view. So you you met them, you got to know them as an investor, and then you said, Hey, I'd like to come on board, or they asked you, or I don't know what the whole course of events were, but did you sit down and write um whatever it looked like, like a business plan, a strategic plan for the US operation, like what this looks like, where how are we going to get started, what this and all the, the growth that you're the phases or ever you're doing this to go forward? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we we had a pretty um, extensive uh, business plan and Gantt chart and resources and uh, timing of of, of flow yeah. and, and strategy. Um, so that was all done uh, last um, <clears throat> excuse me last summer. Yeah, and then um, you know we're we're in the early stages of
0: implementation of, of yeah. that plan. I think a lot of small business owners miss the value of, I mean, look, I'm not saying it should paralyze you. You never head towards town and get started, right? But they, I think they miss that. You can't implement something you haven't kind of thought out before. And a lot of them just start implementing things and then you lose where you are and what you're trying to, especially this kind of an operation, so, you know. So it's, so it's interesting
1: because um, I think there is a balance. Between, yeah, I definitely. think I think, on one end of the spectrum, there's people that just plan and plan and plan and then never they get, get paralysis started, right. of analysis because they they see all the roadblocks ahead or potential roadblocks and they say, this doesn't work. So we have to revise the plan and they never get out of the gate. Right. And I've never seen a plan for a business like as it starts completely. It never, changes, right. it never changes. Right. Never changes. So that's that's not the point of right. the planning and I think not people the lose, point The point is you have a plan and that's the direction you're going. And then at each point in the plan, you're either succeeding, you know, on a right. particular light item, you're behind schedule. So then you have to have a conversation. Why are we behind or why isn't this working? And right. is it, we need more resources. Is it that the plan was off mark there? So each, yeah. each item, you have a dialogue about. And then each aspect of the plan, some of it, you know, you make individual changes. Most times, there comes a point where you're three months in or six months in, and you're just really uh, kind of stuck in the mud somewhere. And and then you do this massive pivot. Right. You only realize
0: that from having the plan to begin with. Right, because you know where you are and you're like, this isn't working, you got to change. It's a working document, you know, and you got to always rework your plans. Look, nothing ever, I, I I hate saying things like absolutely as a lawyer, <laughs> but no, no business plan ever starts one place and ends up where you think you're going to go. It's not a straight line. It's just a right. question, like you say, of learning and making some mistakes or trying this out. Or, But you're right, if you don't know where you were, it's very hard, almost impossible to, to, you can't pivot if you have no idea where you are, what you're doing.
1: It's like keeping score. You know, I, 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 I played a lot of sports growing up. Like, you know, imagine playing a football or a basketball game and no game, you plan. know, you had no game plan. And then they don't tell you what the score is. Right. So now it's the fourth quarter and the clock's running down. You don't know, like, can what you do you imagine? want to do? Do you, do you want to hold the ball? Do you want to run the ball to run out the clock? Or right. do you need to aggressively pet You don't know because you didn't have a game plan to begin with. You're not measuring it on how you're doing. So you can't adjust. Yeah, you're just uh, or... throwing,
0: you're just blindly doing things, which a lot of yeah. people do. Th- thus, the accidental entrepreneur. People just, they do, they make decisions in, in a box with their eyes closed. It sounds weird. Like looking back at it and your skills and what I've experienced and all the people I've interviewed, it, it doesn't make any sense to do that. But people do. They they get, I don't know, they just think that it can work out and they and they do it. Look, that's why franchising is attractive to a lot of people. It's a business in a box, basically. You have somebody to walk you through to help you, to call, to you know, follow the instructions, right? To put the furniture together. And
1: that, I don't know what that's what we do. You know, we're with the entrepreneur every separate right. way like they're, they're not there to have, they're not supposed to have this experience. Like that's okay, but right. they have to be open and willing to help. Uh, we help them guide, uh, through the experience. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, another important aspect of the planning is, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier with Shark Tank, which are more people familiar with, but. At, at, at every stage in a company's like lifestyle yeah. life cycle yeah. you need cap you need capital right and when when you know if you're starting with friends and family maybe they're okay with
0: not having a plan because they love you right <laughs> but as the business grows yeah, nobody's and because, giving you money without a business plan without a plan a pitch deck and the whole thing right and
1: and the more you understand your business, understand where you made mistakes, how you adapted, and can show that, the more credibility you're going to have yeah. to capital markets or potential investors in belief that you're going to be a good steward of their capital. Right. And if you watch Shark Tank, they drill these uh, men and women on, or even sometimes teenagers yeah. on their business, and if they don't know their numbers and they don't know what they did and they don't understand where no they're confidence. going, how they then the, the, the concept that they have is somewhat irrelevant.
0: Right. Because well, most I mean, of- and I understand they spend three or four hours with people. They We only see yeah. short clips and stuff, but they spend a lot of time with them. Look, you and I both know the, the investor who's listening to your pitch deck, reading your business plan, he knows that whatever this is, is, this there's going to be bumps along the way. There's going to be roadblocks. There's Going to be things that don't work. So they are investing in you, and the fact that you seem like you understand what you're doing, and you've taken the time to to lay it out, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it plays big in turn when it comes to raising capital.
1: I I, I wish I, I I wish I was compensated just on ideas. <laughs> that would be nice, right? I I you know I I I'd, I'd be a billionaire. Right. Like I've had ideas. I, you know, like I always say. I remember talking about the concept of Uber as I was waiting in New York City on New Year's Eve for a cab in the freezing cold. I'm like, they have apps. They're geolocated. Why can't I just, you know, somebody wants a fare. Why can't you know? And you're
0: probably not the, the only one, right? No, that
1: you know, but but somebody went out and executed.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was at Cornell University, I graduated in 89. So 85 to 89. we started this small company. We were freshmen called, it was called Chris, the computerized ride information system. <laughs> and we lo- we realized that people were going home. They were traveling places and there was no way they wanted to bum a ride from somebody it's supposed to take in a bus and they would connect on the bulletin boards and stuff. So we were, we got shut down because the university said you can't run a business out of your dorm. And you know, we were young, we didn't know anything. Ironically enough, Lyft was started by two guys from Cornell, and but there were no there was no tech. This was in the late '80s. There was no technology whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always about timing, and a, but you can It's a lot of it's execution, like you said, and 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 you, you get credit. But I, I'm curious, wh- where is uh, uh, Mr. Jeff now? Because I don't. There's no franchises near me. Are you guys just launching? You're getting ready to launch? You're in some markets. Our first franchisee is set to open next week in oh. Coral Gables. So. Okay. And this this will um, be coming out in a couple months. So today is, what, March 11th? So next week sometime?
1: Next next week, we're having a big grand opening. I'm going down there very excited. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be a dynamite location. And that's going to be a big boost because I think, you know, like listen, uh, he's a brave entrepreneur to be the first, right? Yeah. Uh so um I think a lot of people have been waiting, they want to see one, they want to touch it, they feel it. So um it, i I think I think it's gonna be uh really great and and that's gonna launch a lot
0: of uh pipeline of of activity. You have a pipeline of applications. Yeah, we we have
1: a lot we we have a lot of franchisees in the pipeline. So you know, uh uh, some sold where they're looking for spaces, but uh, right. you know, others that are, you know, about to sell, but they they're they're coming down to the grand the opening. Um
0: what so made you they, choose this guy in Carl Gables?
1: Um, so he's a uh he has a lot of experience uh in the hospitality industry in, uh-huh. in restaurant services. So I I like um I happen to really like restaurant management experience for this business i think it uh transfers really well um they they're used to managing both the front of the house hospitality customer service uh interface you know on one level and then back of the house uh, uh you know really tight operations and quality control and yeah, and that's uh, a good observation and, right um especially uh you know pickup and delivery has become a huge part of uh food these yeah. days. So that experience helps. Uh the the marketing uh to consumers is very similar. The work ethic is uh very similar and um they usually everyone I've uh brought over from the restaurant industry to the laundry industry has fallen in love um because uh the they they're used to running on very, very small margins in the restaurant industry. They're used to managing a huge staff. Um right. where this is much lower label, lower labor. They're used to dealing with a lot of waste. There's no waste in this business. It's uh you're not dealing with inventory. Um, so there there's they're, they can put all their skills and tools uh to use, and um, but a, a lot of the a lot of the things that they don't like about the restaurant industry don't exist here. So they're, they're very happy. Um, so I, he's a, uh, Sergio is his name. He's a dynamic entre- entrepreneur. Um, I think, uh, well-versed in all the skills he needs. And I, I think he's going to be incredibly successful. So
0: looking for all right. Well, him. um, so people can, is it mrjeff.com? Is that the website? Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: it's, uh, it's mr, uh, com
0: mr jeff app yeah.com okay so we'll put those links in the show notes people are interested in getting franchise information um and they should watch for a mr jeff coming near you as the business change i know we talked about like i was seeing like little tide places popping up uh, for a while this was a couple of years ago and then they kind of stopped um but i guess that's big corporate not executing well
1: yeah that that was uh also was uh Tide cleaners. They right. they were focused on dry more cleaning. Dry cleaning? By, by the way, Mister Jeff also does dry cleaning through a wet cleaning process. So Got it's it. it's uh, you know doesn't have any of the perk. It's uh, all all uh, natural. Um,
0: but it's sort of flipped where right. That's cleaners, not your core business. The laundry is your core
1: laundry is a stable you know steady repeat business everybody does, has to do laundry you know once a week or sometimes once every two weeks uh you know but um where dry cleaners has become you know it's a declining business the frequency is less so it's a, it's it's a much better customer acquisition model through laundry that you can then you know uh get that steady clientele and then also provide all the dry cleaning services as as they needed. Um, so I think uh, tide came into the dry cleaning market uh probably at the worst possible time. Um it was like when the big, you know, precipitous drop was was coming. Um uh but like listen, they're they're a powerful brand. Um, you know, and I I, I think uh it was a uh, smart move to leverage their brand. I, I just don't think their, their business model was set up in the, in, in the optimal way.
0: All right, so some parting comments. Any uh, advice, things that you've learned being a small business owner? I mean, you're kind of a small, you're a big business well, I, that runs I actually, small
1: uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I actually did own uh, launch maps of my own personally. So okay. I, I, I certainly was a small business owner. So I got to see both sides of, uh, you know, um, the uh, spectrum from more of a corporate run enterprise and then running things on my own. It was actually really eye opening because I ran uh, the entire operations for uh, the launch of my train, uh, CleanRite. Um, and I thought I knew everything about the business. And then when I acquired my first launcher mat. I realized all the things I didn't know because it was it was uh, much more hands-on direct uh, level but um, you know advice to an entrepreneur sending out I, th- I think you already uh, hit on one of the key points is develop a really good plan yeah. um, understand that you're not supposed to know everything so right. I, I would say seek advice from people with experience um, right. You don't have to take all of it, but I, you know, very, very rarely do I speak to somebody with experience in turn certain sector where I don't have a couple of takeaways that, that are relevant and poignant. And I, you know, I learn and grow from, Uh, read a lot um, network, but then in terms of the operation of the business, I I think that, um, you know, like, listen, focus, always focus on the basics. Um, Yeah take care of your customer, uh, care about your customer. I think way too many people, especially in my business, um, don't really uh, appreciate their customer.
0: Right. Um, take that's, it for granted.
1: That's who puts food on the table, listen to them, and also your staff, especially nowadays. Um, you know, And I think uh, there's been a lot of focus about pay, but I think that your your staff or people, yeah. Um, they're humans, and they want more than anything. They want to be appreciated, recognized, and, and treated uh, with uh, respect and dignity as human beings. And when you do that, um, you know sometimes it's, you know, especially in this business, and especially when you have to hire people on the lower end of the labor scale, right. like I'm always upfront with people. Like, I this is not the place where you're going to get rich. Right. Um, you know, there's a there's a cap to what the business is going to be able to pay you. But, right. Um, but treating people, with respect, dignity um, and as as you know, and valuing them as human beings goes goes a long way. And and they'll they'll give you a lot in
0: return when you do that. But it has to be has to be genuine. Well, I appreciate it. I guess we'll leave it there. Watch for Mr. Jeff. And um, uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining me today. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mitch. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at Binehackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.